And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And I want to preach to you on this subject, measure for measure and marriage. Measure for measure and marriage. Let's say that together. Measure for measure and marriage. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. It is anointed. It breaks chains and destroys yokes. I pray that tonight, East Bay Bible Fellowship would put a stake in the ground. And I pray, Lord, that we would raise up a banner of truth over this church and over the Bay Area. Lord, I pray that from the very onset, this sermon would spiritually shake the foundations, oh God, of this city. And I pray that our doors would fly open and that many souls would come and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. And someone shout amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I am a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to the scriptures. And I believe that Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the first five books of your Bible. And when you begin to look at the beginning of the Bible, all the way to where we're at right now, Moses begins to reveal a rather interesting concept about the way that God ex executes judgment and justice. That method of judgment and justice has come to be known down through the centuries as measure for measure. Those of you that have been with us many years, you know that we started off in, uh, several years ago now in the book of Genesis. And when we got to Exodus, we talked a little bit about this concept of measure for measure. But we're back to it tonight. And what measure for measure uh, essentially means is that what you do to someone will be done back to you. And there are several examples of this from the very beginning of the Bible. For example... And this is just one of many. We have the story of Joseph's brothers who sell him into Egyptian slavery. Later, Joseph will hold one of his brothers as an Egyptian slave for ransom until his brothers bring back Benjamin. Eventually, however, this game that Joseph is playing will take on a very serious tone and the entire Israelite nation will become Egyptian slaves. And as you know, God then turns to Pharaoh through Moses and tells him to let his people go. Pharaoh says no and induces a measure-for-measure measure judgment on himself and the Egyptians. For example, Pharaoh throws Israelite babies in the Nile God turns the, the Nile into blood red. Then God sends the death angel over Egypt's firstborn children and then finishes by drowning all of Pharaoh's armies in the water. Pharaoh kills Israelite babies in water. God comes back and executes measure for measure judgment. Now some might say that these examples clearly exceed measure for measure. They are not equal. God is doing more than what Pharaoh did to the Israelites. But something you have to understand about God's objective is that it aims to correct and rehabilitate criminals. And one of the ways that God does this is by allowing those who have violated certain principles to experience the hardships they inflicted on their victims. This can get ugly really fast. For example, if you steal $100, God will obligate you to pay back 200 The first 100 represents what you took that must be returned. But the second 100 allows you, the criminal, to know what it feels like to be out $100. And Jesus warns us against inducing measure-for-measure measure judgments on ourselves. 
because as we've already stated, things escalate really quickly when God is in the picture. I want you to stop and consider today Matthew chapter 7 and 2. Jesus says, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure, everyone say measure. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eyes. In short, Jesus is saying, when you notice a speck in your brother's eye, and I'll just pause here. You, you've got to really get this point. Your brother's eye or your brother happens to be God's son. A lot of times people only limit this in, interpretation of the scripture. They only limit this to like, don't judge your brother. I'll have you know that the person you are judging is God's son or God's daughter. You're not just judging your brother and sister in the Lord, you are judging a child of God. And God says that when you notice the speck in his child's eye, the log in your eye is what God is going to judge you by. And so Jesus says, be careful how you measure and be careful what you pronounce. Don't be quick to run to judgment. And don't be quick to make pronouncements. Be careful because things will escalate very quickly. So what does any of this have to do with our opening text? And what does anything in these, uh, in these ideas have to do with marriage? There is a lot that it has to do with these things. Amen. Now, I want to say something that may come as a shock to some people. There is a lot, and I mean a lot, of unnecessary speculation as to why Miriam uh, was upset with Moses uh, having an Ethiopian wife. The truth is that God's judgment on Miriam tells us what bothered her. Because when God judged her, he judged her skin for skin. Something inside Miriam was not comfortable with the color of Zipporah's skin, Moses' wife. Miriam liked light-skinned people. And so God punished her by making her skin very light. Numbers 12 and 9 says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Miriam. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam and said, Behold, she is leprous. God, in other words, is telling Miriam, You like light skin? I'll give you a whole lot of it. I'll give you a whole lot of it. Acts 17 and 26 says, And God has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. What does this mean? It means that people have no control over the country, the culture, and the color of skin that they are born into. God determines that. Amen. I said God determines that. The color of your skin, God chose that. The culture you were born in, God chose that. The country you were born in, God chose that. And herein we see one of the biggest problems with what Miriam did. Zipporah had no power over the color of her skin. Amen. In fact, it was Jeremiah, I believe, who later on said, can the Ethiopian change the color of their skin? Amen. She had no power over the fact that she was born in Ethiopia. Amen. When she came of age, the thing that she did have power over was whether or not she was going to embrace Moses' religion and live as an Israelite. And that is precisely what she did. When she was old enough, when she was competent enough, and when she understood enough, uh, she looked at Moses, and she looked at Moses' God, and she looked at the way of Moses' God, and she says, I embrace that. Uh, 
I receive that. I may have not chose where I was born in, but I'm making a choice to be born again. I may not have chose the color of my skin, but I'm choosing, amen, light over darkness. I may have not chosen, amen, hallelujah, where my daddy comes from. I may have not chosen the language that I speak in, but I am choosing this day to bind myself to my husband and to walk in the ways that he walks. Amen. And can I tell you that there was even a day, amen, when Moses got weak on the doctrine. Amen. The Bible says that Moses did not circumcise one of his sons and it upset God so badly that he just about killed Moses. But his wife remembered the Bible studies. His wife remembered the ways of God. And his wife said, Moses, you done messed up and almost got yourself killed. Let me hand me the knife. I'll take care of this. And she performed the act of circumcision and saved her whole family. Tonight, I'm going to preach to you that we will not play games with people's lives and their marriages. We believe that people who are in Jesus Christ, in his will and in love, should be supported in their marriages regardless of their color, regardless of their culture, regardless of their country. Come on, somebody. Regardless of their language, we ain't playing games with it. If you're Mexican, you can marry a Salvadorian. If you're Jamaican, you can marry a Dominican. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. If you're white, you can marry an Asian. If you're Asian, you can marry an African-American. We're just not going to be playing games with this. If you speak good English or hardly any English, but you find yourself in love, you go ahead and come down to the church house. Amen. And get you a hold of God and see if it's his will. And if it's his will and you have the blessings of the Lord, we're going to go ahead and get you married because it is the will of God. But the one thing we will not be doing in East Bay Bible Fellowship is segregating and breaking people up according to culture, to color, to language. Come on, somebody. This is the will of God. This is the word of God. I don't want to fool around. Amen. And get a curse invoked over us. I don't want to fool around and turn off. Amen. The revival fire. Amen. I wish this didn't have to be preached in churches, but unfortunately it does. I wish this didn't have to be said in 2021, but unfortunately and we're going to say it and we're going to determine it that anybody who walks through these doors amen will not be judged as Jesus said will not be judged according to appearance but will be judged according to righteousness oh let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise amen let me be very clear tonight what I'm talking about is not exclusive to white and black I am tired of the conversation about racism being exclusively about white and black people. Amen. This, is, this goes a lot deeper than this. In fact, uh, we have a lot of Latinos here. And you know just as good as I do because I'm Latino. The Latinos can get in their little, their little corners. And, and Guatemalans won't want to marry Salvadorians. And Salvadorians won't want to marry, praise God, uh, uh, Argentinians, whatever. And, 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 and we can get real snoo- And don't you call anybody from Latin America Mexican. They'll get so upset. <laughs> and Asians will do this. And, and, and East Asians will do this. And, I, and I'm just going to tell you, this, this might come as a revelation to some people, but, but you, you can be black and not identify as African American. And there's, and there's schisms there. And a Puerto Rican may not be quick to marry a Jamaican. That's right. And a Jamaican may not be quick to marry an Ethiopian. Praise God. And and an Ethiopian may not be quick to marry an Eritrean. Praise God. And they live right next to each other. Praise God. These are real dynamics. But they're not going to be happening here. They're not going to be happening here. It's not going to be going down like that around here. It's it's just not going to be happening. Amen. And this happens in every culture. And this happens under every color. And it is sad, but it is true. Amen. That people of all cultures continue to promote the idea that people should marry within their own culture, color, and language. This is not acceptable for the church. 
The church, this church, will embrace the fact that the Bible does not give us liberty to hinder people from being married based on color and culture and language. I'm going to tell you something, and now I'm going to talk to everybody of every color, regardless, single, married, I don't care who you are. 1 Timothy 4 and 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. You hear me good. The Apostle Paul considered what I am about to tell you a departure from apostolic faith. He says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. That word forbidding means to hinder. I'm just going to tell you the truth. If you tell me that you love each other and you tell me that you want to get married, I am going to do everything in my power, number one, to make sure that this is the will of God. And thereafter, number two, to make sure you get married. I'm, I, and, and I know... And I know that a lot of people may call this foolish, naive, and insensitive. But I am telling you right now, there are seducing devils in these last days that are working in the lives of people. And, and they are telling people and make, they are making marriage difficult for people. We will not depart from the apostolic faith. And, the ap and let me put a little spin on this that you probably ain't never heard. You heard it here first on Wednesday night. If you are single, don't you hinder marriage either. I understand that there are some folk that really just don't want to get married. But you better be able to tell me that you feel like it is the absolute will of God and that he has spoken to you and that you are, and that you are to live the rest of your life unmarried and that you feel you have the power to contain yourself and that you are certain you wake up talking in tongues every day and go to bed talking in tongues every day and that you never have an impure thought i am telling you right now the bible says it is better to marry than to burn and i am telling you right now that if you are single and you are capable of getting married you should be praying every day god help me to get married help me to find the right man help me to find the come on don't y'all lock up on me you lock up on me you are departing from apostolic faith enough with all this foolishness i'm gonna tell you right now there's a i hey i'm gonna tell you one of the most seducing spirits in these last days there's a lot of monotheism going on there's you know monotheism means the belief in one god there's more monotheistic religions today than ever somebody said pastor what you talking about i'm telling you right now there's some people that are saying the only god that exists is the god of gender the only god that exists is the God of color. The only God that exists is the God of economics. The only God that exists is the God of equality. And they're saying if you worship any other God besides the God of color, the God of equality, the God of money, amen, then you are, amen, worthy of being burned at the stake. I rebuke that spirit. And if you've let that get a hold of you, you need to shake that off in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you right now. We don't, we don't worship the God of the patriarchy. We don't worship the God of, come on, social inequality. That's not, that is not what we are doing around here. We will not give heed to seducing spirits that says I am perfectly okay by myself. I don't need a man. I don't need a woman. I'm so sick and tired of people who tell me they don't need a spouse and then you come crying to me, amen, because you can't contain yourself. I'm telling you, I was lonely. I was, I, I, I got in church and it took me 10 long years to get married and there wasn't a a day that didn't go by amen that I didn't struggle with depression and there wasn't a day that didn't go by where I didn't cry myself to sleep but I never let a week go by that I didn't pray and that I didn't take a day out to fast and ask God to give me a good wife and I'm telling you I know what it is to ride that roller coaster ride and you young men I'm telling you right now it's better to marry than to be hooked on porn it's better to marry than to be lustful and tripping out it's better to marry young lady it's better to marry than to have a bunch of sleaze buckets sliding in your DMs. It's better to marry. Amen. Than to be, come on somebody. It's better to marry. Amen. Than to be trying to attract men with how tight your clothes can get. Amen. Hallelujah. Just because, come on somebody. I'm going to keep preaching to you. 
I'm going to keep preaching to you. It's better to marry, amen, than to be fooling around with all the lukewarm, half-backslid apostolic boys. I'm telling you, you, you need to get yourself in the prayer room and pray. Uh, hallelujah. Well, pastor, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got... You are hindering marriage. My wife, you know how many people tell, try to tell my wife? Man, you got married so young. My wife, had, my wife had a good GPA. Yes, she did. I she could tell you what her, grade, what her, her grades were in college. She, she got a degree. My wife, my wife got a degree. We're still paying for it. And there are still obnoxious, pretentious, obstinate people that will tell her, you got married so young. What are you doing with your degree? I'll tell you what she's doing with her degree. She's serving Jesus. That's what you're supposed to be doing with your degree. I'll tell you what she's doing with her degree. She's helping educate her children. She's educating her husband. That's what she's doing with her degree. She's living for God. You are not supposed to get a degree and then start disobeying and departing from the apostolic faith. Hey, I got news for you. You could be married and go to college. You could be married and get your, you could get married and still clear your finals, have a good GPA. You could get married, still be a doctor, a lawyer. You could get married, still, still be a teacher, still get accredited. You could be married, but don't you, don't you come around, amen, making people feel like they are less than because they got married at 21. I'd rather be married at 21 and on my way to heaven than married, come on somebody. This is a departure from the apostolic faith. People, you understand we ain't got options. You don't have an option to be in church and mess up every few months and get over it. You understand we don't think like the world does. In the world, you ain't even got to repent about sleeping around. You can do it. You can do it all week, all month, all year round. You don't have that option here. You want to be a fornicator? I, I beseech you in the name and the mercies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be cold or be on fire. Get in the pew or go out the door and come back when you're ready. We love you. We want to help you. We want to help you get to heaven. But if you would rather just live like a fornicator, if you would rather just live, amen, in adultery and lasciviousness and uncleanness, then go for it. Amen. I, you, you will find out, my dear friend. You'll find out one day when you get an STD in your body. You will find out the hard way. Amen. When you end up on rock bottom because I'm telling you right now you start messing around with your sexuality and it'll begin making you go in all kinds of weird and wacky directions and before you know it you'll be lost and your head will be spinning all because you'd rather sleep around than go ahead and find you a husband all because you'd rather sleep around than find you a wife come on somebody hey we got married and we was broke we got married and my wife found out what chilaquiles are. It's what you make when you ain't got nothing left but tortillas and eggs and El Pato. Google that. Yeah, we was broke. There was days people had to help us. There was days we didn't have groceries. There was days we genuinely wished our children could get diet potty trained quickly so we could get them out of diapers because the diapers were expensive. We were broke. We were so broke we couldn't spend the night. Everybody thinks being broke is the worst thing that ever happened. You know half the world broke? Half the world lives on less than a dollar a day. You over here crying because you live in an apartment. I'm sorry, we got to knock that obnoxiousness off. You got people making all kinds of silly decisions because they, they can't have a backyard. Keep preaching, pal. He preaching good tonight. I told you, I told you this is a monumental night in this church's history. I'm telling you, this is a monumental night in your future. I'm just letting you know right now, when you finally shake yourself free of all the lies of the devil, the Bible says they're seducing spirits. You, you know what I'm preaching against right now? Not nasty little devils with horns and, and pitchforks. I'm preaching against spirits that could talk you into perversion, and it'll sound like the right thing to do. I'm talking to spirits, uh, amen, hallelujah, tonight, that will try to talk you into living a crooked double life and think it's okay 
I'm talking to spirits uh, that'll tell you, come this way, come this way. I'm talking to spirits that will tell you to turn me off right now. I'm talking to spirits that'll make it sound like a great idea, amen, to shut me out. Amen. I'm talking to spirits right now. I am talking to spirits right now that are telling you he doesn't understand your economic situation. He doesn't understand what your parents will say. He doesn't understand, amen, the way you do things in your family. I don't understand. I don't care to understand. Amen. I'm telling you right now that the word of God says, the word of God says, uh, don't depart from the faith in these last days. Don't listen to seducing spirits in these last days. Come on. Come on. Hey, I got news for you. When you die, and you're going to die, you listen to me, you're going to die. Oh, yeah, that's the word of the Lord. You're going to die. You got an appointment, my friend. God. The Bible says it is appointed unto every man once to die. I'm telling you right now, as uncomfortable as this makes you, God got a little book with your name on it. And, 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 and to the right of your name, well, God's Jewish, so it's from the left. <laughs> There's a day. There's a time. And there's a cause of death. And you know what? You're living the short end right now. Because if you're lucky, you'll live to be 80. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. Maybe 83. Maybe some of you will make it to 90. If you're lucky. But guess what? You'll be dead forever. And forever, forever makes 90 look like a drop in the bucket. And so, guess what, friend? This is the short end of the trip. You're going on the long. And so, what does that mean, Pastor? That means that everything you do in this life should be done in preparation for that day. And you ought to fear. You ought to fear. You ought to be afraid. Yes, I am preaching fear to you. You ought to be afraid of messing up. This is a church. This is a church. In case you didn't notice, the front says East Bay Bible Fellowship. We didn't put the word on there because we just thought it was a given. Church. Church. This is a church. This is where people come. Not because their mom made them. Not because their dad forced them. But because they realize my life is but a vapor. I'm here today, gone tomorrow. And you know what else we've come to realize? I have a body that, has, that calls out to me. It has urges, it has passions, it has desires. And God put them there. And it is my responsibility to make sure that all of these feelings are exercised in the right way. Yeah, I knew I'd step on some people, so that's all right. You can come talk to me after church. Let me tell you what the church does have a right to talk about. We don't have the right to tell people that they can't get married based on their color, their culture, or their language. The church does not have that right. But you know what the church does have the right to do? Is in 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? I have every biblical right to tell you that as a Christian, you are not supposed to marry unbelievers. Hey, I don't need, I don't need no young girls here to raise your hand. But you know it would be a lot easier to snatch you up a sinner boy. And I don't need any girls here to raise their hands or boys to raise their hands and tell me that, yeah, it's kind of easier to land a date with your coworker than with the girl that you actually have to talk to her dad. With the girl that actually has a father in her life that's going to job check you. 
and pocket check you. Yeah, when we was in there, they pocket check you, slap you right in the leg, see if you got any kind of money in there. Oh, I'm telling you, every man in this church, you, I'm telling you, you ought to run from the cowardly spirit that says, I want a girl that I don't have to ask nobody for permission for. I want a girl that I don't have to have a job for. I want a girl that I don't have to be responsible for. I want a girl where I don't have to balance the checkbook, make sure I'm not in debt. I want that kind of a girl. I want a girl where there's no, where there's no barriers. That's just cowardly, man. That's how we ended up in the situations we're all in. You ought to, as a young man, you ought to welcome the challenge. You ought to welcome the challenge and say, I'm going to structure my life in such a way that if I get pocket checked, I'm going, to, I'm going to structure my life in such a way that there's no question that I'm living responsibly. Man, I'm preaching good. Let's keep going before I, re before I clean the church out. In the new birth... God is creating a new humanity. Humanity, prior to the new birth, is bound by the fact that they are made in the image of God. Believers are bound by the fact that they are in Christ. Everybody's made in the image of God, but everybody is not in Christ. And it is in Christ that they become a new race. It's called the Christian race. 1 Peter 2.9 says it this way, but you are a chosen generation. Almost all biblical expositors will now translate that word. It's actually geno. Will now actually translate that word as race. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Which, he, which had not obtained mercy, but now you've obtained mercy. Amen. It is the Apostle Peter who is pointing out that in Jesus, ethnic and social differences cease to determine whether a person can have a deep and intimate relationship with another person or with God. The only question any of us should have when it comes to marriage is are they a believer? Are they a believer? Colossians 3 and 11 says here. Everyone say here. The, the King James says where. But, but, but it, here is acceptable. Most translators actually now use the word here. Where is here? Here is the church. He says here. There is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Paul thought of every significant physical, ethnic, and social distinction he could come up with, and he says, here, in this church, here, in this faith, here, in these beliefs, there is none of that. Here, everyone say here. Here, we do not make racial and ethnic decisions the decisive point as to whether or not a person can have a relationship with another person. We just don't do that. And you know what? We're never going to do that. You know, the funny thing is, I, I think we have more mixed marriages here than we have monoculture marriages. In other words, what I mean by that, people of the same race married. And I know somebody's saying, well, I'm pastor really sweating hard over something that's kind of like, duh. I'm going to tell you, if we, don't put a, if we don't put a flag in the ground, this thing will creep in. It'll get on the Hispanics. It'll get on the white folk. It'll get on the black folk. It'll get on the Asians. And before you know it, you'll be living in 2021 in the Bay Area. Sitting in 
your corner of the church. Saying, I'm looking for a man who can communicate with my abuelita. I'm, dumb. I'm reading mail now. Hey, let me give you a revelation. And I'm closing with this because I'm getting people mad. But let me, let me give you a revelation. The Bible does not allow men or women to abuse each other. Physically, verbally, emotionally, you're not allowed to do it, right? Like, like there's nowhere in the scripture that says, if she maketh thee mad, thou mayest yell. If he saith thou art not thin, thou mayest throw the dishes. No, no such verse exists. What the Bible does say is husbands love your wives. Wives love your husbands. Can I tell you that if both of y'all ain't the same color and both of y'all don't speak the same language and both of y'all don't come from the same country, if you just followed what the Bible said, you're going to have a good marriage. Your culture, your culture won't even come into play. Because I hear people say all the time, we just believe it's better that people stick to their own. It's just better. It's just, they, they get along better. It's just easier. And I have heard people twist and contort the Bible. I could quote to you every scripture people will use to uphold these lies that are, that are a departure from the apostolic faith. They are a departure from sound doctrine. They are a seducing spirit. I know every verse that they use. It is a lie. If we will have a Bible culture at home. Do you want to know why I want to come over to your house? So that you can have a Bible culture in your home. No, it's not so that I can secretly go through your cupboards when you go use the restroom. It's not so that you feel embarrassed that you still have a Netflix account. No. No. I, I, want, I want to have Bible revival. I want you and your wife, you and your husband, you and your single self, to say, my life will revolve around this precious book. Me and my son, me and my daughter, me and my wife, me and my... In case you haven't noticed, Sister, Sister Prado is not Latina. She's not. And you know what? She ain't even that Filipina. Now her parents are, but she is not. But let me tell you something else. There have been days where we look at each other and we know our race is getting in the, mi in the mix. And I'm just like, I don't know where you learned that. She's like, well, I don't know where you learned that. <laughs> and I got to look at her and say, hecho en Mexico. Mahalikita. Hey, and you know what happens when me and Sister Prado get in our flesh? Once we calm down, we don't ask ourselves what the Philippines would say. And we don't ask ourselves what Mexico would say. And we don't ask ourselves what our culture, we don't even ask ourselves, believe it or not, we don't even ask ourselves, well, what would your parents say? Or what would my parents say? We say, sweetheart, what does this Bible say? And there's days we have Bible battles. There's days, Sister Prado, she starts dropping some scriptures, I drop them back. Yeah, there's time we have Bible battles instead of Bible revival. She's got some scriptures in there. She, she knows how to wield the sword. And I got to get the shield of faith. It's just <laughs> We've had our little quoting sessions.
But I'd rather start talking about what did Jesus say? What did God say? What, do the, what does the word say about how I should treat you? And what does the word say about how you should treat me? And what does the word say about how we should raise these kids? Because if we get in our flesh, if we get in our culture, and sometimes we even have to avoid getting into our family culture. Not because it's bad, it's just that we both left our parents to cleave to one another. And so we, there's times me and my wife, Monday, we had to fast together. We had to get on our knees together. We had to say, you know what? What does God say? I am closing with this because y'all wish I would have closed 10 minutes ago. I'm going to say something that I think is more pertinent than the people who think I might be to them. Several months I've been wrestling the spirit, and and if and if people only knew how many people have told me about this, and if people only knew how much I discerned it, you wouldn't think I'm going to pick on you right now. I'm not picking on anyone because I think it's actually more prevalent than you might think. People, listen to me. If you don't learn how to pray together, if you don't go to the Word, if you don't get humble before God, you will go into your marriage, and halfway through it, you will think that you are married to the wrong person. And your spouse. And if you don't get out of your flesh. If you don't get out of your. You'll, you'll spend the rest of your life secretly thinking. I got the wrong one. I got the wrong one. I'm, I done messed up. Listen to pastor. Said we should get married to him. Look at what I got. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There are people watching at home. There, there, it, there. You, you want me to keep it real? Night. I had a dream on Monday night. And I was, I was, uh, for whatever reason, I was inside a cafeteria. I hate cafeterias, but this one must have been good. I was in a cafeteria. And I was with my friends. And I was like, I got this. I'm paying. You know, you pay at the cafeteria. We wasn't, it wasn't Shea Wee Wee's. It was the, it was the lunch line. <laughs> it's like, I got this. This is me. I got this. And I went up to the cashier and I took a $100 bill out. And I paid. And I remember in the dream, it was $70. And so I told my friends, I said, Y'all just go ahead and eat. I'm just going to wait on my change. I was big man. I was going to wait on my $30. I said, y'all just go ahead. I'll catch up to you. My friends went ahead of me. And the lady at the cashier started, she started looking at my money. She started, she took out that black pen to see if your hundred's real. She started marking it. But I know she started like really marking it. She said, sir, this is not real. So what do you mean this is not real? She said, the police are already coming. I said, that hundred dollars is real. She said, I'm telling you the police. I said, it's real. And for whatever reason in my dream, I said, run. <laughs> and I knew the $100 was real. And I bolted for the door. Oh, Jesus. And when I woke up, the Lord told me, the accuser of the brethren is loose in the church. There's people here, you know you're married to the right person. There's people here, you know he's the right man for your children. He's, she's the right you and for your, your kids. You know, you know you're in the will of God. You know your marriage is not perfect, but you know God has spoken to you. You know God brought you together. But the accuser of the brethren has been loose all week, and he's been telling people she ain't the one, he ain't the one. Run! Get out of it. Run! And if you can't get out of it, shut down. Close the doors emotionally. Close your eyes. Close your ears. Don't listen. Protect yourself. Y'all get quiet on me if you want to. But you done showed up to Numbers chapter 12. You done showed up to Numbers chapter 12, Wednesday night, 730.
telling you the devil's been loose. And I'm all right. And I'm happy about it. Because he don't show up unless you step foot in his territory. And church, you precious couples, and you good single people, let me tell you something. You're in the devil's camp. And he's mad. I'm telling you he's mad. And so what's the answer? I'll tell you what the answer is. Get a conviction. I don't think I've ever told my wife this. She probably, I don't know if she's going to appreciate hearing this for the first time. Here we go. We'll have Bible battle when we get home. There's just days it just wasn't, it wasn't popping. It wasn't clicking. We were not, we were talking to each other. We were not communicating well. And I remember one day just feeling flooded with all kinds of thoughts. And I came to the church, not here, this is years ago. And I got on my knees. And I started sobbing. And before I could even start praying, God showed me just how perfect, just how right he set me up. But I was just mad because the setup wasn't, I was mad that, 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 the, that, the, that the roses came with thorns. I just, I, I got mad that you need manure to grow flowers. I got mad that you, I just, quite frankly, I had to get over the shock that there's hard times. I had to get over the shock that there's down times, that there's valleys. And I'm telling you, when I never again have those thoughts that I had that day ever even come close. I don't claim them because I know they weren't coming from me. But I'm just telling you, I had such a heavy attack. And that ever since that day, I got a conviction. That is the woman that God gave me. And, and, and when I say that's the woman God gave me, I believe that's the sister-in-law God gave me. And that's the brother-in-law God gave me. And that's the sister-in-law over there. My in-laws are watching from who knows where. They're, they're, they're on vacation. But those are the in-laws God gave me. Some of y'all need to get that conviction that God done set you up right. And quit complaining. About the thorns on the roses. And don't let nobody tell you. I told you you should have married a Guatemalteca. See, that's what you get for marrying a Chicano that doesn't know Spanish. I, t I told you Englishmen are trouble. I told you Russians ain't no good. Who's, who's, who's helping? Who's, uh, who's going to help us? I, I don't mean to sound facetious. We just got to give the people hope. They're, they don't know if they want to get married or leave right now. Praise God. You can do both. You. There's two, convic two convictions that need to settle in here. For those of us that are married, I am telling you right now. I told one of my friends one day, he's like, Brother Prado, I don't know if it's the will of God. I prayed for Good, bad, or ugly. You're in the will of God right now. You're in the will of God. And so we need to, today, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So don't put this off. Today, if you're married, today, I want you to get the conviction, I married the right person. 
is with us. And God is going to work with me and my husband. And God is going to work with me and my wife. And God is going to help us raise these children. And I, I'm sorry, God, for getting mad that there's thorns on my, on my roses. I'm sorry. You single folk, let me tell you something. Some of you, believe it or not, you may not believe what I'm about to tell you. I'm telling you, some of you could pray today in such a way it really will lead to you getting married. I'm telling you right now, you can have a breakthrough prayer like that tonight. But I want you to get a conviction today. I'm just not closed off. God, I want whatever you want from me. I just want whatever you want from me. If you want me to get married, I will not resist that. That's all I'm saying, God. And if you don't want me to be married, I'm okay with that. But, right, I don't want to resist you. Whatever you do is okay with me. You might shock me. okay with that but I'm, I'm, I'm just Lord don't let me live in sin and somebody if, if you don't like what I'm saying I'm telling you somebody you would just do good tonight to say God don't let me live in sin if I'm just nowhere near getting married if, if there's just something in me, whatever, if life's just not the way, just don't let me live in sin. Because I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I did not think I was going to say this. There's somebody right now, you've been, you've been talking too much to a sinner. You need to stop it. You just need to stop it. Well, we ain't got nothing going on. Just stop. I'm just saying, just stop. God's calling you out. Just stop. Just, just stop. Let's stand.